Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out, the will and calling of God in our lives. I know the title of some of my messages are a bit out there, but these are the names that come up when I think about the message God wants to get out on the Invisi waves. I look forward to typing this message out for no other reason than its title. Well, maybe because I also have an affinity towards bears, because my wife and I live among them. Just a couple of years ago, we had a mama bear with her three cubs visiting us often. One of the cubs that comes to visit us now is halfway to 600 pounds. And so wait, I know what you're thinking. Yes, me too. I wanted to pet the cubs so bad as we have been close enough to do so. But the problem is that if you make them friends, eventually they want to come into your house and house with you. The other problem is that they are up during the night in our neck of the woods, and this creates a sleeping conflict, one which is not easily resolved. No, but actually I use this old nursery rhyme because it runs parallel with someone who judges a book by its cover, or even more ridiculous than that, by the mistakes they or others make. So the first scripture that came to my mind when I reread the title was a story about Elijah being made fun of by some kids who involved, yes, you guessed it, harem bears. 2 Kings 2, 23-24 states, Then he went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him. And they said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. I guess some of the other kids got out by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Okay, so in this context, it doesn't make the best bedtime story, but it has its merits. I guess this is what happens when you ask for a double portion. 2 Kings 2, 9. On yours and my best day, the negative thoughts and judgment about another are always proven highly suspect and inaccurate at best. Of greater concern, and it is a concern, is that we take the risk of missing what is right, true, and lovely about the person you and myself are so against, based on that spontaneously initial jump-to-conclusions judgment or first blush of sweeping error. In Romans, it tells us that we need adjustments in how we think. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So it's the will of God that we change the way we think. And changing the way we think will change the way we judge. And in 2 Corinthians, it tells us how to be transformed. Chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So it is actually possible that we have faulty thinking in many things, especially about people or the decisions they make. If the car is not firing on all cylinders, then regardless of whether you are negotiating the roads in the valley on a racetrack or whipping the curvy mountain roads, it's going to ultimately reduce the experience to frustration. And isn't that the same result we get when we are quick to judge and assess others? Have you ever read or you yourself wrote something that didn't say what you initially thought, or that what you wrote is not reflective of what you had intended to write? Things often look one way in a moment of enlightenment, but as experience has shown me, as well as you, time usually shows us something we never saw at first glance. Hurt people do hurt people. It's how they cope. It's how we cope. I believe Jesus told us to forgive and do so quickly so that we wouldn't get hurt so quickly. He has a great sense of humor as he tells the story in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Funny, right? So in Matthew 7, 1, 5, it states, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. 
and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eyes? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay, so that was funnier. Never mind finding the issues in others, as Jesus made a statement without making a statement, which is that he has no sliver or log in his own eye. So he will be using our standard for perfection and human behavior. And all we know is that our expectations of others are usually set higher than the standards we ourselves live by. Some of us could build a log cabin. We have so much milling going on in our lives. Peter had the same sense of humor that Jesus had. Let's look at Matthew 18, 21 through 23. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, Peter wasn't just asking a random question nor setting a very high standard for judgment to be implemented between him and John. He hadn't read Matthew 7, 1 through 5 yet. He didn't really get along with John. And as we are aware in the book of John, we see that John leads with a blue personality. John 13, 21 through 25. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then his disciples looked at one another, perplexed about what he had spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him and asked who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? John was a man's man in today's world, not a problem identifying himself as one in whom Jesus loved. It is possible that he was a bit more secure in his relationship with Jesus than Peter was. He is the touchy-touchy, feely-feely type, as others might define him. Peter was more hardcore. Seventy times seven is not the answer Peter was expecting, but Jesus, knowing what is in us, had to put an unachievable number out there, as we seem to always look for an excuse or shortcut, when change is required of our own hearts. John 2, 24 through 25 states, But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You see, there's no way to get around the fact that we have to go introspective to deal with our cover judging problem. Not dealing with this issue is a sure way to remain a baby Christian. Of course, I could have used the word immature, but aren't they one and the same? Proverbs 24:29 states, Do not say I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. We have such a propensity to want to get even. Now, maybe the cartoons of the 70s and the 80s had something to do with this. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, Foghorn Leghorn, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny, Tweety and Sylvester. What? <laughs> I never thought I could find a message in cartoons, but bam, bam, there it is. Deep inside, we want to get along, but something is broke and our emotional brokenness turns what should be healthy emotions into a protective wrench and train spike. Ecclesiastes 7, 20, 22. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Also, do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times also, your own heart is known that even you have cursed others. Basically what this is saying is if you get mad because other people are talking about you, all you have to do is look inside and say, hmm, when was the last time I talked about them? And if not them, somebody else. It's in everybody, not just one person. If we start out with this knowledge, then maybe we can head off our irrational reactions when others miss the mark. Today you caught them, tomorrow they catch you. Now I know that we don't just automatically ignore the judgments and bad days of others, but it still starts with you. It starts with your response. If you see that you are unhealthily sensitive to criticism or the unwarranted judgment of others, 
Then ask God to touch and heal you in that area and be the person you want others to be. John 7:24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Now as soon as you heard this, you were stamped guilty by you or stamped someone else guilty. And you know you're in need of help if you did both. Romans 14:12. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So this is a little intimidating, right? If you spend more time correcting you and less time correcting others, you will be prepared for this day. 1 Corinthians 5.12 For what have I to do to judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? Paul was basically saying that Christians do not judge non-Christians. That's not what we do. They're non-Christians. But we do judge those who are inside. But remember what I said earlier. If you set the bar high, you will be judged by that bar In other words, God will judge you at the measure that you judge others. So be careful, be sensitive, and always act in wisdom. So if you are good on all the above points, and perhaps this one has you saying, Uncle, Paul states clearly that we are to help one another grow and to never mind those who are not of the seed of God, who are not authentically born again. Yet, you know, if you break the egg, the chick never comes. Sometimes the person we are judging is a future Christian rock star and had a massive calling on their lives, and the last thing they needed was you're judging them while they are still incubating. Every chick lost represents the unnecessary loss of future generations. And we will be judged for that. Okay, so the power in people is not in agreement, but in forgiveness. We don't have to agree on everything to get along. Peter and John were a part of Jesus' top three, and that came with special privileges not experienced by others. They also fished and did ministry together. It appears that Peter may have had more to process through than John, according to what I've read, because Peter often wore his heart on his sleeve. However, Peter also ended up with a shadow that's more powerful than many Christian ministries today. Acts 15.5, so that they brought the sick out onto the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And when it did, you know they got healed. Pretty crazy, huh? Let's leave room for differences and get ready to be the bride of Christ. That's in Revelation chapter 19. Jesus does not take kindly to sinners judging other sinners. Now, before I end, I want to clarify that if a five-fold minister or church leader is correcting you, equipping you, or discipling you, then they have an obligation to hit the normally unhittable. They need to go there for your benefit and for the benefit of the ministry as a whole. If you cannot be corrected, then you cannot grow and enter into your own ministry calling. Well, that's it for today. And no, I'm not going to send a fuzzy bear your way. What I am hitting is an enormous issue in the body of Christ. We have whole denominations sideways when it comes to judging in comparison to other denominations and non-denominational churches. If it wasn't important, the scriptures wouldn't be talking about it. Okay, but so here's a test. Be cognizant of when you hear a Christian chatting away and see if you're not measuring their every word. See if you're not jumping to correct their theology or their ministry methods. Are you preparing your response in their mid-sentences? It's what we peeps do, and unless you train yourself to stop doing that, it will continue. So anyways, remember it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom of God than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe buttons. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.